0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: The people that need you most, they need you to be in their corner, spiritually speaking. They need you to be praying for them. They need you to care. They need you to have a heart. They need you to bring them before the Lord. You're the Christian in their life, but they behave in such a way that is such a turnoff to you, it's such a... It's so obstinate, so abrasive to you that you don't want to pray for them. And we got to be careful of that tactic of the enemy. That many times the people that need me most behave in such a way that I wouldn't necessarily choose to engage with them or interact with them.
0: All of us have people like this in our lives. People that we just struggle to love. It may be just a personality quirk or maybe they outright persecute you but Jesus called us to love them. When you consider the love he demonstrated for even the people who put him on the cross, suddenly the love we're called to may seem much easier. As Pastor Bill will challenge us in today's message, we can be an instrument of redemption and restoration in the lives of even our worst enemies. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 14 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: They said, let's stone them with stones. And the scriptures would give us the picture that they were they were about ready to pick up stones right then and there and stone them to death. Because what, what happens? As soon as it says that, what happens? The Lord showed up. Stop that mess. Like God had to intervene. God had to show up. They were getting ready to be stoned. That's a great thing for you and me, though. Right. As you stand for the Lord and stand with the Lord, nobody can do anything to you that God doesn't permit the people were ready to stone them and God said, no, 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 that's not that's not that's not what's about to happen. These are my guys right here. And so the glory of the Lord showed up. We saw the same thing in chapter 12 when Mo, when, um, when Miriam and um, Aaron were talking bad about Moses because he married the Ethiopian. What happened? The Lord showed up and said, hey, hey, hey you guys, you three, all three, you come in. And I, I wonder what that was like. I wonder what that felt like. For God to just show up, as, you, you three, right? You come here, come here right now, and you know you just was talking behind the door, bad about Moses. I, I know, I, Moses was like, "Yes, Lord, that's what, do you, need? what do you need." But I bet Miriam and Aaron was like, "Oh, oh man," you know, they they was coming nervous to the meeting. Right here, God shows up again to intervene, stop things from going in a wrong direction. That should just comfort you too. You know, that God, as I step out to obey you, as I go to do the things you call me to do, I got your protection is with me. You're with me as I stand up. Joshua and Caleb stood alone in terms of people, but they stood with the Lord and the Lord stood with them, too. And that's important to note. Look at verse 11 now. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me and how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? And I want you to notice how God feels about their lack of obedience. God says, they're rejecting me and they don't believe me, right? Their unwillingness to go, God interpreted that as they're rejecting me and they don't believe me. So consider when God speaks to you and me and we don't obey because we're afraid. God's saying, you're rejecting me and you don't believe in me. That's how I interpret it. That's that's how I'm feeling about that behavior. Um, but you flip the thing around because Joshua and Caleb, they believed, and they 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 didn't, I guess the opposite of rejecting is to receive. Well, they received the Lord and they they obeyed. And so they're gonna get to go into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb in this scenario, they're showing us what to do to get there. Um everybody else is showing us how to miss out. And so God says, look, you guys are rejecting me and not believing me, but Joshua and Caleb, they receive me and they believe in me. And I'm going to reward, again, God's going to reward them for it later. Look at what God says he's going to do in verse 12. He said, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. Now, God, I believe here this is God is testing Moses, right? Imagine that you're Moses. This people have been a headache to you. They've been fussing at you, complaining all the time, you know, telling you, you know, all these different things. And God says, you know what, Moses, I'm I'm, I'm fed up with these people. I'm I'm gonna disinherit them. I'm gonna send pestilence among them, disease is gonna run rampant, they're gonna die off, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get a whole new group of people better than them, and you're gonna be their leader. How about that, Moses? And I'm listening saying, All right, Lord, that sounds good. You know, that if, if Moses didn't love the people, if he wasn't a shepherd to the people, if he didn't have God's heart for this disobedient group, that's what he would have said. He would have said, all right, Lord. All right. That's fine. That sounds good to me. You know, carry on, you know, but that's not what Moses does. And that's an example to you and me. Moses, I believe he's being tested, but he's got a heart for these people. He loves them, even though they're messed up. He loves them. That's what the Bible says. Moses says he's the meekest man on the earth. The Bible says that about him. Um, look at what Moses does in response. Great example for us. Verse 13, Moses said to the Lord, the Egyptians will hear the, the, the Egyptians will hear it for by your might, you brought this people up from among them and, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land. They have heard that you Lord are among this people and that you Lord are seen face to face and that your cloud stands above them and that you go before them in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak saying, because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land, which he swore to give them. Therefore, he killed them in the wilderness. So first of all, I want to point out that Moses begins with intercession. He, he, he never agrees. He never says, you know what? Let them die. They deserve to die. Let them have it. And he gives us a, a visual example of what the Bible tells us we're supposed to do for our enemies. We're supposed to pray for them. And also maybe God has put you God maybe put you over difficult people. You need to pray for them. God put Moses in a position over some difficult people. And it wasn't for him to get rid of them the first chance he got But it was for Moses to love them and intercede for them and pray for them. We're going to see that as he intercedes, God listens. And some people look at this and say, well, you know, did Moses change God's mind? No, God gave Moses an opportunity to do what he knew he would do to intercede. And there are people in my life that God wants me to intercede for. There were people that I was in their life once upon a time and God wanted them to intercede for me. And they did. And there are people in your life that God wants you to intercede. And I want you to notice something. Many times the people that need your spiritual involvement in their life will behave in such a way that makes you not like them. The people that need you most, they need you to be in their corner, spiritually speaking. They need you to be praying for them. They need you to care. They need you to have a heart. They need you to bring them up for the Lord. You're the Christian in their life. But they behave in such a way that is such a turnoff to you. It's such a, so obstinate, so abrasive to you that... You don't want to pray for them. And we got to be careful of that tactic of the enemy. That many times the people that need me most behave in such a way that I wouldn't necessarily choose to engage with them or interact with them. And so I have to be mindful of that, you know, that I need to intercede for those people that rub me wrong, get on my nerves, don't like me. I need to pray for them. God wants me to intercede for them. Moses intercedes for these people. And the first thing he tells God, he says, God, you know what? You took them out of Egypt, brought them over here. You know what they're going to say? The people are going to say that you couldn't, you know, you, they're going to say that you couldn't help them. So you killed them in the in the wilderness. He starts there. He didn't end there. He goes beyond that. Verse 17. And now I pray, let the power of, um yeah, let the power of my Lord be great. Just as you have spoken, saying. Now Moses does something really important. He starts praying according to God's words. Uh, which is a great way for you and I to pray. He's just saying, God, this is what you said, Lord. He said, Lord, I pray that let the power of the Lord be great just as you have spoken. Now we begin to quote God saying verse 18. The Lord is long suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children in the third and fourth generation Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt, even until now. And God, Moses prays according to the word and says, God, would you just be merciful? Your word says you're merciful, that you're long suffering, that you're abundant in mercy, that you're forgiving iniquity. And and the the idea of long suffering that God has gotten, you suffer a long time with people. You endure a long time. He says, could you just be merciful once more to this group? That's what Moses prays for them, and look at verse twenty. Then the Lord said, "I have pardoned according to your word." God said, "Okay, you ask, I'll do it. You pray, you pray the prayer. That's what I want. I want, I want to pardon them. I want to have mercy." Now, I gotta say this: mercy doesn't mean that there's no consequence. Um, God's mercy for them right now is that they don't die on the spot. God was getting ready to send pestilence, some kind of disease or something that was going to kill everybody at once. Well, they're not going to die all at once now. Not right here, not right now, but they are not going to get to go in. Um, And that'll come up a a little later. They're they're not going to get to go into the promised land. And, you know, again, as I I was pondering this again earlier, reading over this and looking at it, just trying to see God, how does this relate to us? And there could be in people's lives that God has shown mercy and we receive mercy to a point, but we've not gone over. We have we haven't entered into to all that, that God has made available, all that God has for us. I think it would be miserable. And I think some people are in this position. They're saved like they know God. But because they haven't obeyed, because they disobey regularly, because they don't obey, they don't step out in faith, they don't do the things God stirs them up to do, they, they don't spend time in the Word, they don't do all the things that God is showing us to do continually to walk with Him and to know Him better and to serve Him fruitfully, that they're just kind of stuck wandering around. They're not going to die on the spot, but they're going to be wandering around the wilderness, just wandering for years, wandering around. That's a sad place for someone that knows God to just be wandering aimlessly in this world no sense of focus no sense of purpose when, when we know for a fact that god has purpose for every believer we know it for a fact because Ephesians 210 tells us that we're his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them so it's a shame that anybody that's saved and knows god is just kind of like just meandering around the world with no sense of real purpose nothing that i'm really doing that matters We should all have a sense of purpose and urgency in the Lord, things that God has given for us to do. We got assignments. As I walk with God, there's things that God says, I want you to do this. This is your assignment. This is where I want to use you. I want to use you like this. I want you to whatever it is. Every one of us is different. We got different gifts. We got different personalities. We got different makeups. We're in different spaces. But everybody here, God wants to do something in you, with you and through you. And the most fulfilling thing you can do in this life is to participate with God in the thing that he gives you to do. And I've seen it different ways. I've been blown away at the the ministries that God has given to different people. As I interact with friends and everything, I I talked to a guy earlier today and he used to be in jail and God saved him at jail and now he's out of jail and he goes to jail every Sunday for church and he preaches and he ministers. You know what? He loves the inmates. He remembers being one. And his heart, when he goes, he says, man, when I go there, I, I, I love those guys. I care for them. I get mad when I see the people talking to them like they're dirt. He said, I've gone over to the the guards. Amen. When we're here, can you just not do that right now? Like His heart breaks. He's like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I don't view them as less than. I was there. But he said, I believe that people can get saved here. Lives can be changed here. Like we can impact people's eternity right here. His heart just stirred up for that. And then he's walking in great purpose now. God has taken his life, turned it around, given something to do that matters. And he's doing it. And it fulfills him. You know, every, you know, he comes back Monday from Sunday. And that's all he could talk about is Sunday. Oh, yeah, man, women. And it was, it was one guy, and he was telling me, man, the guy's marriage is working out, and he can't even see his wife, but, man, the marriage is good, and his daughter writes him, and you know, just all these, to him, those are miracles. Guys are family. God's maintaining a guy's family, and the guy can't even see his wife in person right now. But his wife is coming to the ministry at, at the church, you know, and, and she's being ministered to by the ladies, and, and it's, God's helping keep all the stuff together until this man comes home and restores him. And he gets to be a part, intricate part. So, all that to say, we got purpose. But as fulfilling as that sounds for my friend and many other people with many different ministries that God has given them, again, you speak to a Christian saved for many years, it's like, well, so what do you do? What's your gift? What's your calling? What are you doing? I just go to church. That's it. I, now, I say this all the time, but I'll say it again tonight. God have never called anybody to get saved and go to church. That's it. <laughs> it's like going to church. This is like the huddle for a football team. And so when you go to the huddle, you go to the huddle, you bend over in the huddle, you listen to the, 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 the quarterback. Usually give the instructions. Everybody hears the instruction. Make sure you hear it good. You break and you go out and you do what you heard. And, and that's how you win. Um, now, if you go to the huddle, you listen and you go out, you don't do what you heard. That's how you lose or get hurt. And that's how you become an ineffective member of your team. That's how you make your way to the bench as well. So um, in the spiritual realm, this is the huddle. This is where we all come together. We're listening. God, what He has have for us? God's speaking to us on a regular basis. This is not the only way he speaks to us. But then the goal is for us to leave here and go be about his business. To be doing something for him. So so again, Moses intercedes for them. Um, God says, you know what? Uh, I, God heard him out. And God responds favorably to his prayer. We're going to do five more verses And we're going to get ready to take communion. Look at verse uh, 21. Uh, Verse 20 again, the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Verse 21 now, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have put me on, have put me to the test now these 10 times and not heeded my voice. God gives us the number of times that they've had opportunity to respond that they didn't. 10 times. They've heard me, but they didn't, they didn't heed my voice. They certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected, rejected me see it. Notice this, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, has fully or wholly, the old King James has wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, has fully or wholly followed me. I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. And so this is the, 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 the transfer. God said, look, this group that won't obey me, they're just never going to get to see it. And I've experienced this as a Christian many years, that there'll be, there'll be people that have their knowledge of God working is only they've only ever heard about it. They've never seen it. They've never experienced God work on their behalf, work in their life. And so for some people, um, particularly when I did high school ministry, there'd be kids there. They were like, I hear all this stuff and I hear the miracles and I'm listening to this and that. I've never seen none of that stuff. I've never seen God move. I've never seen God do a miracle. I've never seen God, you know, do any of these things that I'm reading about. And so it becomes unbelievable to them. And this is what I find. The people that see God do the miracles are people that are stepping out in faith. Why would God do anything for someone that's not obeying? Right. It's not. God doesn't work like this. I'll show you so you'll believe me. It's as you believe me that God says, I'll show you. You'll see more of me. You'll take one step of faith and see God do something so amazing that you're like, whoa, my faith. Initially, I was stepping out in blind faith. Now, my faith is built up. I saw God do that. Wow. And now, next time I trust the Lord and see God do something else. You'll just take steps of faith and watch God show up. Watch God do things um, that just will blow you away. One of my best friends is in New Jersey. He pastors a church in Newark. And the church he pastors is in, it's in the hood out there. I was out there with him and it was I mean, it was hood 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 like like you know i don't know what i would compare without with out here like it's just like a project but it's i mean i walk out the door from church i went there that on sunday morning i'm from the door of church i can look across the street and i'm looking at the guys selling crack right there like right here i could go buy one you know i don't buy it but you know it's right there and so he, he's, he's, he's worked and you know done the church and, and while, while working over the years and everything else and God's been speaking to him to that he needs to be more involved, more available, more there and so he was praying about and had made the decision to sell his home the church that they use has a parsonage attached to it so it's kind of a, a difficult thing, it's like man do I move my family, like we'll live at church I mean there's a parsonage, it's a home but it's connected to the church and so I mean, that really we're really going to be in the mix all the time and, and they're in a nicer area. So we're moving down here. Won't be as nice area. But he believed and was compelled that God wanted him to do it. And so he took a step of faith, um, you know, and he's got a wife and kids. And so you got to convince your wife. And it was a whole lot of stuff going on and challenges along with that. But he went ahead and said, you know what? I believe this is what God wants us to do. As the decision was made and he began to move forward to make that decision. The people that own the building said, man, we, we really appreciate you guys church, how well you take care of the building. We want you guys to just take the whole thing. Um, we'll give you the parsonage for uh it was gonna be a little bit of nothing. Then they said we're just gonna give you the parsonage. You can just so basically you won't have to pay a house note, it's gonna take away one of your bills. And then we'll give you this much money to fix it up so your wife can be happy in it and get the kitchen done, da-da-da. so that was the first thing, and so, so again, they continuing to walk by faith and take steps. Then a church came and visited them and saw the house, they're like, oh, you guys going to live here? And then that church called them back and said, hey, we're going to send a team down, and they're going to renovate the whole house for you guys, and we'll, we'll fund the whole thing. And So he's already like, wow, man, God just blessed me like this, blessed me like that. Then someone had, saw some outreach that they did, and church, as a church in Arizona, they're way out in Newark. The pastor flies out to his church just to kind of get it. He wanted to see the work that was going on. And he says, you know what God put on our heart to do, man? We're going to, you know, we want you to be full time. So our church is going to pay your salary so that you can just be full time. You don't have to worry about, because he's in the hood, you don't have to worry about if people give enough or not. And this was all within like six months. And so this is my buddy. We're talking every day. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it's that guy from Arizona is coming out and, you know, we're going to pray and we're talking about this. And I'm watching God just go boom, boom, boom. It's awesome. I'm looking at it like, wow, God is so faithful. But I look at the steps that he took. You made the commitment to leave your nice house and move to the church. Like literally your house is at church. And God's like, you know what? I'm gonna bless that. And God has said, I'm, I'm funding the whole thing. And it's been through different people, all disconnected, but all connected in the Lord. I share that with you, that, that we might all be encouraged. Not that if I do what God wants me to do, God's going to bless me with stuff. But that it's as we step out that we get to see God move. I think if he didn't take step number one, then God would there's nothing for God to do. You, you're still taking care of everything on your own. It's as you take steps of faith, as you in obedience say, God, I'm going to just do what you tell me to do. I don't know how it's going to work. I'm going to trust you that will see God do great things. And so for you that have things that are on your hearts and God's been speaking to you about them and you can't see how it works, just do it and then see what God does. See what he does. See how he shows up. Um, They experience God do great things. Now, again, this group's not going to get to go in um, because they didn't obey, they didn't listen. But again, verse 24, my servant Caleb, and because he has a different spirit in him and he has fully followed me. God said, he's followed me fully. And I want you to hear me. God's 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 please. This man fully followed me. God said, I'm going to bring him into the land where he went and him and his descendants. His kids are going to get to see it, too. And that's something that we should say as as we walk by faith, that we experience the goodness of God. Our kids, it's not just for us. Right. Our kids are going to eat off of the trees. Our kids are going to experience God's favor, God's goodness. They're going to they're going to experience some of it through you as you've been obedient. If you've taken steps of faith and they've watched. And they've seen God show up. They're going to hopefully be young men and young women that grow up in their own faith in God as they watch mom and dad. As they watch mom and dad obey God. He says, you angered this in this Last verse 25. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley, uh, dwell in the valley tomorrow, turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And again, I titled the message Missing Out. And we'll see that the mass of people are going to miss out on the promised land because they had a wrong focus. They had wrong influences. The wrong focus was looking at the giants instead of looking at the promises of God. The wrong influences talking to one another instead of listening to the word that God spoke to them. They had a wrong attitude toward the leaders. They had a wrong attitude toward Moses and Aaron. And they had a wrong attitude toward Joshua and Caleb who stepped up. And so all those things caused them to miss out. In contrast, Joshua and Caleb, who are going to get to go in, they had a right focus. They were looking at the fact that God, what you said was true. You said the land was flowing milk and honey. We, we, we validated that. We we're ready to go get it. They had positive influences. Joshua and Caleb influenced one another in the Lord. And they had a right attitude towards the leadership. They didn't go against what Moses and Aaron had said. They didn't go with the people, but they were going with the Lord. And I just want you to see the difference and how we need to live our lives that we might be pleasing to the Lord. And the last thing is this, that we would be interceding for people in our life that are that are messed up. As messed up as these people are, we could look at them and say, man, that's a group of people. They, they're, they're a mess. God would say, you got people in your life like that. You need to pray for them. You intercede for them because God was going to God. said they could have died on the spot, except that Moses prayed for them. And God said, OK okay, I'll, 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 I'll hold off, you know, tomorrow, go ahead and lead him over here. But he interceded and God heard him.
0: Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of numbers. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Numbers recounts the various struggles the people of Israel faced with those outside of their camp, but also within. Surely there are difficulties you might be facing inside your family, your church, your work setting, and the nation as a whole. But God is still here, and He's proven time and time again that He's not leaving you or abandoning you. So when you're tempted to get down and out, chin up and remember that He is faithful. The messages you've been listening to are in ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. If you're ever in or near the Inglewood area, you're more than welcome to join us for church. We meet at Calvary Chapel Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You can also call or text us for more information our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that's CalvaryEnglewood.org. Well, That's all we have time for today, but Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Numbers next time on A Transforming Word.